Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday, and it's time for the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Jeff? Going all right, man. How are you? I'm doing fair, let's say. I'm doing fair. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's better than bad. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, got to look on the bright side. You do have to look on the bright side sometimes, you know? Um, Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's been a kind of a week. Um, you know, looking forward to you know moving that kind of thing. I uh, as as some of you know, I'm, I'm vacating my re- residence down here in the hinterlands of New Jersey and moving closer to New York City to uh, Jersey City specifically. So that's I'm starting packing and I got all my uh, books and Blu-rays, DVDs, VHSs already packed. Um, the next thing to do is the LPs. I need to. I ordered some boxes so they should be showing up either tomorrow or Monday. Um, oh, man. Yeah, but those are like the major things that are going to be a pain in the ass. Like the last thing is the LPs, you know? My, yeah. My CDs are, are actually still packed from when I moved in here. So that, that's already done. They're in boxes. And, uh, and then it's just, uh, you know, clothing. and I'm probably going to throw away a bunch of the shitty IKEA furniture that I have. And uh, That's definitely a solid idea. Yeah, Ikea is good for, like, towels, you know, and, and like, you <laughs> yeah. know, if you want to buy, like, knives for the kitchen and stuff like that. But their furniture is pretty shot. It is. And half the stuff in my room is Ikea stuff. But, but, you know, if we ever move again, that shit's, you know, it's not coming with us. Yeah, I mean, that's there's, like, two pieces that I'm going to hang on to. But, you know, the uh, most of the stuff's a dime a dozen. You just pick it up. Like, they're great. The, those, those um, was it Calyx? The things that a lot of people use for their records. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that that's I think it's called Calyx. That that's um, useful. But I'm not the one I have. I'm not taking with me. I was going to throw it out and buy another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, ha- having just moved across the country, um, I know how stressful and and you know, like you said, like oh, I got the hard part over. But then, like when you're packing, you realize all these little fucking things you didn't think of. <laughs> well, my 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 office is packed up. All that stuff's packed. Everything. The only thing I have that's you know that I, stuff I'm going to need for the next month or so, I have out. But all the little staplers and fucking pencil sharpeners and all that stuff's already packed away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you hire a moving company? I'm going to uh, going to hire. I got to figure out my move date exactly because um, my lease starts yeah. on June 1st, but the um, I have to be out of here on the 18th, and June 1st is the Nightlands Festival. So that weekend, you know, I'm not going to move because I'm going to be down at the Nightlands Festival for Cadaver Records. And uh, so I'm probably going to move the second week of June, but I want to dial in exactly which date I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to hire the mover. Yeah, yeah, definitely that's the way to go is to hire movers. If we tried to do this ourselves, it would have been an even bigger headache. It's expensive to hire movers, but well worth it. There's no way I'm going to carry furniture upstairs at this yeah. advanced yeah. age that I'm at right now. My back is <laughs> yeah, I'm too yeah. old to be doing these things. I'm falling apart, man. You know, I, I can't be carrying chairs and couches up the fucking stairs. No way. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, unless you're getting paid to do it now. No, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I, I just don't have the, you know, my joints are shot and like I can't do it. So I'm not strong enough to do those things anymore. <laughs> yeah, hey, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's looming ahead. Um, you know, that's, uh, once again, I, I mentioned Nightlands Festival, but that, that's like uh, anyone who's familiar with Cadabra Records, they're, uh, they have their first uh, festival. They're going to do it every other year 
to offset Necronomicon. So it's never going to be the same year that Necronomicon happens, which is the Lovecraft Weird Fiction Festival in Providence. And right. I, this is uh, in South Jersey outside of Philly, and it's going to be on the off years. And Cadabra Records uh, releases audio versions on vinyl of uh, Weird Fiction books. They also release books, too. They put out the new Thomas Ligotti um, uh, poetry collection, too. Right. Yeah. We, yes. Yeah. Mike, I don't know if you heard, but when you said Necronomicon, Thundercraft in the background here. <laughs> awesome. Hey, see, we'll, the, we'll <laughs> yeah. add the thunder, the thunder in post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah. Necronomicon. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. A storm's coming here. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's upcoming, and um, you know, as we get closer to that date, I'll probably give more information. Like they're they're good people um that run that company. It's a small operation, and uh. They put a lot of effort into their releases, and if that's something that's interesting to you guys, I own a bunch of their releases. Um, they also release uh, soundtracks, like Fabio Fritzi soundtracks, things like that. Yeah, awesome, man. <clears throat> so yeah, have you been um, you been checking anything out lately, like as far as reading or movies or whatnot? Well, a couple things. Uh, I just watched the movie. It's not a horror movie, but great movie, Birdman. Have you seen Birdman? I have not. Michael Keaton. It's it's really good. It's one of my go-to comfort movies. I watch every couple of years. Uh, it's been that kind of week, so I busted that out. Um, if you guys listening haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, again, not a horror movie, but uh, really, really good. And something you and I kind of talked about a little bit. Uh, I checked out From Black, the new movie screaming, uh, screaming, streaming <laughs> on Shudder. And yeah, that I was, believe you watched it too. I did, I did. That that's been recommended to me by a few people, and um, yeah, that's. I haven't really had a chance to watch a whole lot this past week because I there's a bunch of shows I went to, and and uh, you know, but the the band has been practicing a lot because we have that upcoming uh, Hell in the Harbor, um, you know, second stage kind of thing coming up at the right. end of the month. So right. yeah, you're actually busy. Is what you're saying? Yeah, not. I mean, hell, this is our first show of the year, believe it or not, and I. I that's unusual. That's like, you know, prior to the pandemic, I probably would have been like at least one U.S. tour into it by now. But yeah, you know, at it, least it is what it is right now. It is. But yeah, so from black um, thoughts. Yeah. What a, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was funny watching it. Um, my girlfriend wanted to watch a, a horror movie. We turned on the show. I'm like, oh, I've, I've been hearing, I've been seeing From Black Around. Let's watch this. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, you know, it, it started off really good. I'm like, this is surprisingly really well acted. I don't know most of the actors in it, but they're all doing a fantastic job. Uh, but all throughout the movie, I kept thinking of like little things that, oh, if they just did this, it would be better. Like, um, like the score, for instance, I thought was really bombastic and over the top and trying to add tension where like some more subtle kind of keyboard stuff would have, would have worked a lot better. Uh, just like little things here and there. So at the end of the movie, I was like, this was good. This is, I mean, uh, not what I was hoping it was going to be, but it, it was pretty solid. I, I just could have, I, I kept thinking it could have been way better. I thought I, I, the one beef I had with it, <clears throat> Is um is that it was a cool movie and definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. 
Yes. If you do see this movie, check out another movie called A Dark Song because it's almost the same yeah. plot, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like halfway through, I was like, this is basically a dark song, only not not as good. Yeah, Dark Song, I, I thought was the superior film. And, um, oh, by far. Yeah, yeah, definitely got it beat on all counts. But uh, if you are just on Shudder and you want something to watch, definitely check out From Black. Yeah, it's a cool atmospheric slow burn. Um, it's funny, you know, I look at the end when I was done, I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score. It's a 38, and I thought, well, this is definitely better than a 38% movie. I think it's more ambitious than, like, your run-of-the-mill sort of horror movie. Uh, it's got some ideas going on. It's just, like, little things here and there, like, you know, like the, the CGI kind of creature. I thought that thing, it would have been cooler to, shoot that kind of like how you see the creature in um, Black Coat's daughter, you know, right. sort of in the background, something more vague. When you get like a better look at it, you, you kind of cringe a little bit, but I mean, it's a solid performance. There's only about you know, four uh, main actors in it. They're all great. You know, there's even like a one take monologue uh, that's done very well. It, it was really good. I just, I just wish it was just, just a little bit better, a few little changes. And I thought it could have been one of the best of the year, but uh overall pretty solid yeah it, it's um I, I i thought it was good i like there was like a almost this uh police procedural element to it which i, I enjoyed yeah you know yeah and, i liked her uh, her the ex-boyfriend like the fucking skeevy crackhead or whatever they're the meth head yeah yeah definitely they add a little, a little bit of humor to it there was a lot of dialogue which i you know as you guys know i'm a big fan of movies with a lot of talking <laughs> you know and yeah speaking of which very talking movie I uh, I, I mentioned this to Mike last time, but I went to see uh, Exorcist Three down in Philly with Rennie on the big screen. Oh, really? It was awesome. I mean, there was um, it was part of like this. I forgot. Oh, damn, I forgot the name of the operation that puts these on. But there was a, it's like a, a little a mini fest they had going on that weekend of like sequels. So they showed <laughs> uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Um, one of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street sequels and uh, Exorcist Three, but that's the only one I saw. I didn't. I didn't watch any of the other ones. Um, I was only there for that one. Fucking brilliant, man. I mean, everyone. I've always loved Exorcist Three, but yeah, but it's. But most of that story is told with dialogue. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a um, very dialogue heavy film. Did you see the Blu-ray director's cut or the theatrical cut? Which one did they screen? Um. It's um uh, unknown actually because I can never get which one was which. Like the the um the one that I saw had uh, a lot of the Brad Dorif. It cut between Brad Dorif and Jason Miller, and I know that. Okay, well the yeah. okay uh, the director's cut. Uh, Jason Miller is hardly in it, and okay. and in the director's cut, like uh, I think it was done after he passed away, so they added old footage that wasn't treated, and you can really tell the difference, like. Uh, like some of the scenes are uh, like, uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but they're almost like black and whitish, like the colors so washed out. Yeah, like they don't integrate into the film seamlessly. That's that's a good in, in indication of which 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 cut you saw. But um, the director's cut is even, I think you would even prefer it. I mean, it's similar, but like it's a lot more dialogue heavy. It doesn't have that bombastic uh, sort of supernatural ending. That's all gone. Uh, I, I think it's a superior version of an already solid movie. Yeah, I, I need to watch them side by side. Um, I know I've seen it. I, I just 
I can never recall which one's which is when I watch them though. You know what I mean? This one had the, the uh, supernatural ending. So it was the, I guess that was okay. the theatrical yeah, cut. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then the fourth Exorcist. There's literally two different versions of it from two different directors. Like they shot the movie twice. It's it's really fascinating to me. Great movie. Have you ever read Legion? You read the book? Um, no, I never. I never did read the book. But, oh man, uh, I know the guy who wrote the book directed the film, right? Yeah, Blatty. He he wrote the first, He wrote three books that are kind of related. Exorcist, Legion, and a book called The Ninth Configuration, which was also made into a film that had Stacey Keach in it. And, it um, was? Yeah. I've never heard of this. The Ninth Configuration. I think it's on Shudder, actually. It's, um, it was for a while, and that was, um, I mean, the movie, I actually like the movie better than the book, because the book, oh, okay. like, Blatty has, like, a, usually hits with humor, you know, like, in, yeah. like in, in, in Legion, he, there's a, some humorous elements to it that hit pretty well and and he directed exorcist 3 so he his, his humor hit pretty pretty good but in the ninth configuration in the novel his humor didn't really hit well i thought okay so a lot of that was like kind of affected my enjoyment but the movie the ninth configuration was great it's just like real moody very dark very um it takes place in an insane asylum uh military mm. it's insane asylum where these guys are like all have ptsd and there's like, um, it's, 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 without, I don't want to get too deeply into it because, but it's like an excellent, excellent movie out there. So those three are, have like a thread that connects them conceptually with like death, especially Legion and, um, and Ninth Configuration. Like in the book, oh, Ken, really? Kinnaman like muses a lot about death and the afterlife and consciousness and right. all that kind of stuff. And that's like a big topic in, uh, Ninth Configuration too. Oh, interesting. I, I, you know what I like too about like I, Blatty's cut of the movie is less explicitly a sequel to The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, and I just like that he took sort of a side character from that and built a story around him with supernatural uh, overtones. But I think the studio wanted more of a sequel to The Exorcist. Right. And uh, I'm very curious about this new Exorcist trilogy that, that, that's coming. I, I really am. I know a lot of people think it's a bad idea, and it probably is, but I'm still really kind of curious where, where they're going to go with it. Well, he dropped the ball with Halloween, so I don't know how if he, yeah. you know, the Exorcist to me is like a higher form of, of film, really. You know, it's like harder to get right for sure. For, it's harder to get yeah. right, and there's more at stake legacy wise, I think, to if you ruin that, you're going to have mud on your face really you know yeah and you know what if they just stopped after halloween 2018 it would have been it would have been great like okay cool like this little sequel uh you know however like 30 years later uh cool but they just kept going and uh that that's where they that's where i think they dropped the ball they had a great idea for one movie and now they're many three and there just wasn't enough there like i i just don't I thought that was misguided, and I hope that they don't do the same thing with The Exorcist. Like, um, but we'll we'll see. We we'll see. I, I always keep an open mind. I, I hope so. I mean, I saw I've seen some footage or some stills from it. It actually looks kind of cool. So you know, maybe we'll mm. see. I just read that uh, Reagan is indeed coming back. Oh, good. Yeah. Because mm. I mean, you're gonna kind of need. She's still alive. I mean, so why not? You know? Yeah. And I know she doesn't act anymore. She raises like horses or dogs or something. I, I don't know. 
but you know, she's still around, you know, and if you're going to make an exorcist movie, I, I, I can't see how you could not have her. I agree. <clears throat> you know, definitely. So yeah. we, uh, we got a voicemail, uh, with associated with the podcast now, the Necro Mail, Necro Voice, Necro Mail, whatever we're going to call it. We haven't decided on a name, I guess. Um, no, no, we haven't, no. Yeah. That is uh, 908-913-0782. So if you want to check in with us and leave us a voicemail and um, maybe make some recommendations of films or commentary on what we're doing here, please feel free. And this week we have two callers. We've got, uh, we've got Cam. And thanks for calling in, Cam. Much appreciated. Hey guys, this is Cam here, long time listener, first time caller. Um, just wanted to gush about the fandom you guys have created. You know, the community among the four horsemen is fantastic. You guys have great episodes, great shows. They're super approachable. The energy is fantastic. I get a lot of my uh, movies and books and music recommendations from the whole crew. So keep it up. I think it's fantastic. Thank you again. Thanks, man. And then uh, we got Mike from Telford, and uh, he did not want to have his voice played on the episode, so we're not going to uh, play him, but we're going to address some of his points, and I think maybe that's how we, we're going to deal with Mike's, um, Mike's voicemails, because he always has good recommendations, um, good things to talk about, so I'm going to cover, you know, we, he mentioned the excellent film Die, Monster, Die, which is a bit of a classic, if you ask me. Have you seen that movie? Uh, sad to say, Mike, I have not. Um, it's from the '60s, right? Yeah, I think like '65 or '63. It's a really old film, and it's um, one of the long list of Lovecraftian-inspired movies out there. This one is like a riff on uh, *Color Out of Space*, and uh, mm. yeah. So I mean, I well, I remember seeing this way, way back when I was a kid, um, because you probably had the same thing with in Connecticut, Jeff, with like. Uh, like Channel 5, Channel 9, and Channel 11, like when you were a kid. Yep. Where you had, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, down here in the tri-state area, it was like WOR, like they would always play um, horror films. There was like a show in the afternoon that they would do it. There was like a chiller theater. There was like things like that. And I remember seeing Die Monster Die, I think on Chiller one night, and um, thought it was pretty cool. And then later on when I discovered H.P. Lovecraft, I – found out that this was actually kind of like a riff on color out of space and of course you know it's like a vague subtle they take licenses with the story but obviously there's right. like a, you know i put that on the same list of other movies there's i mean there there was a german version a german adaptation of color out of space too uh which is actually really cool and for some reason i always thought the blob was kind of a lovecraftian film yeah, you know, now that you mention that, I can totally see that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Obviously a bit more campy and, and, and whatnot, but yeah, I, I can see the connection there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's like Shoggoths and, and things like that, you know, these kind of amorphous, like, you know, blob-like things. And I always imagine that the little blob would be some kind of like a Shoggoth or something, you know? Yeah, and more love crafting than the movie we're about to discuss, oddly enough. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, um, weirdly enough. But before we get going, I want to just give uh, give props to our uh, the other guys out there in the um, the necrosphere, <laughs> in the uh, you know out there in, in in the four horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. And of course, on Monday, we kicked the week off with Brandon's podcast, Brandon Brandon Legion with Horror Wolf Six Six Six. Tuesday, 
Jackie Smith brings us into the necrosphere, which is um, extreme music, primarily black metal, just very dark music. And um, that's the only metal or music-related uh, podcast I listen to. I do, however, from time to time, I drop in on Big Will's podcast, uh, the, you know, the Heavy Hole podcast, you know, mm -hmm. re regional dude out here. Um, he's in a band called Reeking Aura, and he also used to be the singer in Artificial Brain, two okay. excellent death metal bands in the uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut area. And um, Wednesday, we have uh, Everything Went Black, which is uh, my long, long-winded <laughs> podcast that I started way back and uh, just is still going for, you know, just mainly to fill the empty hours of my life. So uh, as long as I'm alive, this show will exist in some form. Um, thir Thursday. Yeah. I mean, people are like, Mike, you know, you, you know, you, you get a lot done. I go, yeah, I have no, no personal life. That's why I, I get all these things done, you know? So that's yeah. part, part of it, you know? Um, Thursday is, uh, this podcast, Necromaniacs. Friday is uh, Mike Scandato's brother John's show called Break the Apocalypse, which is kind of like an irreverent, comedic-tinged commentary on current events. That's like a good factoid, a good way, of, a good blurb to encapsulate what those, those guys do. Mm. Sunday, we have uh, Soul Knox, which uh, our buddy Carl Hikara is the host of and Carl and I are collaborating on a darkness weaves, which is a episode where we trade off between soul Knox and everything went black. And we talk about the work of Carl Edward Wagner, a criminally underrated weird fiction, dark fantasy horror writer. And that's, uh, that's your week, man. Saturday is the only day we don't have content for you. So that's the day go out, take a walk. The weather's getting nice, you know, get some sun, get some vitamin D. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, go out there and, and enjoy yourselves. Take a break from all the darkness of life. Exactly. You know. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, man. So for this week, we Jeff and I were tasked with discussing the latest entry into the Evil Dead franchise. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're talking about this year's Evil Dead Rise, written and directed by. Written and directed by Lee Cronin. Do you know who that guy is? You know, are you familiar with his work? Uh, sort of. Yeah, he directed another movie I saw. Uh, it's a few years now that I saw. I, I believe it was an Irish film called uh, uh, "Fuck." Was it a Hole in the Ground? Something like that. It's on Shutter, I think. It's on. It's on something right now. No, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, it, it, it's a. It's kind of a cool movie, I thought. That's why I had high hopes for this. Film, yeah. You know. Very different uh, than, than than this movie we're about to discuss. Total, t completely, tonally different. Everything. I I had high hopes. As a result, I, I of... had hopes. I had hopes. All right. Well, all right. I was being a little bit over generous by saying high hopes <laughs> because when I uh, when I started seeing trailers for this movie, I was like, I don't know. I remember I remember Rennie and I commenting on it, being like, it's pretty much the whole movie in the trailer, really. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, anyhow, yeah, I guess we'll finish the technical aspects. Yeah. So, um, you know, written and directed by Lee Cronin, uh, it was released at South by Southwest on March fifteenth, twenty twenty three. 
and then theatrically in the U.S. April twenty first, twenty twenty three, and it's ninety seven minutes long. Well, you know, by today's standards, not necessarily long, but by no. by you know normal movie standards, it's you know it's, it it breaks that ninety minute um, threshold. You know, sure, yeah, it feels like it too, actually. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so. I saw this in the theater. Did you see it? Did you stream this movie? I did. I did. Um, whenever I'm on the fence about something now, I just, well, I was like, well, you know, it'll be streaming in a week. And uh, I know this was doing pretty good theatrically, theatrically. So a little surprised to see it streaming. I think you said it came out April 1st. And what, what is it? It's now like, you know, May uh, 9th or 10th or something. It, it started streaming. So uh, not a long shelf life in the theater. And uh, glad I waited. Uh, what was your theatrical experience like with this? Crowded, uh, excited crowd, uh, anything like that? Yeah, well, you know, my normal, uh, you know, operating mode here to, to for the theater, at least now for the next few weeks until I move away, I've been going to uh, check, check out movies at Menlo Park AMC. And yeah. uh, I always go to the 10 o'clock show because it's the last one of the night, and that's normally when no one, you know, it's empty for the most part. But right. this time around, there was like a fair amount of people there, you know. Um mm. You know, granted, the movies I normally see there were like Infinity Pool and like Skinnamarink and things that aren't necessarily like the uh, normal diet of the people that live in this part of uh, New Jersey. So, um, so, you, but this one was more of like a popcorn film. So there were more kids there and things like that. Interesting, which is also interesting because none of the Evil Dead movies I would call, uh, I don't think they were any of any of them were successful during their their initial run. I mean, they've obviously gone on to be kind of cult favorites, but uh, never had any sort of mainstream success with that series. No, no. As a matter of fact, um, one of the more interesting entries into the uh, franchise, the TV series, only ran for one season, I think. Oh, I think it was two or maybe, or maybe two. No, it got can't. Let me, you know, let me, before I put my uh, talk out of my ass, let me let me double. Let me. I should have wrote that down. But um, that got it did I get can been. it did get canceled though. It did get canceled. That that much is true. Yeah, because it it was never the storyline was never resolved. All right, so the evil Ash versus the Evil Dead ran for three seasons. Okay. Okay. Uh, 20, 2015, 2016, and twenty eighteen, and it was canceled. Okay. Right. Um, you know that was uh, back then. TV was still a thing. You know what I mean? If you remember back to 2015, 2016, you know, that, that era, sure. you know, having yeah. a, a television show was still kind of something, you know, back then. Now, you know, it, it's different, you know, but so there wasn't enough interest in keeping that running and it got canceled. And I thought that was probably one of the better entries into the franchise, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, that's the thing about the Evil Dead franchise is... I mean, continuity is not really a big thing. No. <laughs> in, in, I mean, you have Evil Dead, and then you have Evil Dead 2, which is essentially a, a more comical take on the events of Evil Dead 1. Uh, 3, Evil Dead 3, which officially is titled Army of Darkness, is much more in the slapstick camp, and it, it has two different endings, and I'm not really sure which one is canon. But... It turns out it doesn't even matter because uh, a different company owns the rights to Army of Darkness. Uh, so when they were doing their Evil Dead show, um, they couldn't mention the events of Army of Darkness, apparently. Right. So 
And then you have a 2013 remake that isn't really a remake. It's, I guess it's kind of a, a sequel and a remake. I'm not, I'm still not sure. Well, according to what I read, the, the Fede Alvarez 2013 one, which I kind of, I dug that one. I thought it was pretty good. Mm, no, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> we talked I mean, about it. I, I think, I, I think in, in comparison, in contrast to the new one, I like it. You know what I mean? It's not so much. At the, you know, at, For at sure. The, at the time I wasn't enamored with it, but, looking back i kind of appreciate it more now you know well, it's a godfather compared to this yeah yeah and uh there was there was like uh plans to connect his universe with the army of darkness universe right because bruce campbell does show up in the evil dead remake yes. very very briefly to kind of you know deliver his signature line of groovy <laughs> and right and that was that but, but that it, you know, it was, yeah, that never got realized. So now we got this this movie <laughs> to to yeah, uh, ten ten years later. At that, it's been ten years since the remake, and um, it's just very odd to me. You know, like I'm like, are people clamoring for another Evil Dead movie? Since none of these have done well, the show didn't do that well. Uh, the remake did okay, you know, uh, and now here we are, ten years later, with a new uh, Evil Dead movie where I'm not quite sure where it fits in with the other movies but uh uh i don't i don't know i guess we'll see this was successful so i'm guess we're going to get more of them yeah the um i think that mainly just the last few years upswing in, in horror movie commercial success might have inspired them to make a, an evil dead remake because you know it is it is a an ip that people are interested in you know maybe not to the extent that halloween is like a big blockbuster type thing or you know, but Evil Dead is like you see it's a it's a it's a, a horror con favorite. You know, people are down with Sam Raimi, they love the Deadites, like that. There's a subculture around the movie. So maybe with the success of mainstream horror, they decided that it's high time for a Evil Dead chapter to be introduced again. Yeah, and it's vague enough where you don't really need to know about the other movies and it'll get people excited about about a new Evil Dead movie for the people who are fans. Yeah. Of, uh, of of these movies, well, I guess the, I mean then, yeah. For the record, the first film is probably one of my favorite horror horror films of all time, actually. Yeah. Okay. The second one is one of mine. Yeah. The first uh, one, just a grimy. It's. I love the first one. It really scared me, like when I was a kid and yeah. I watched it, and um, it all it, it all it's it reminds me of like listening to like a demo of like um, you know, like like an like a black metal band or a death one of those old you know death metal like cassette demos of a band that actually might have, you know, if you have like a demo of like Morbid Angel or something like that, you know, it's like right. it's grimy, like, you know, really hit, really raw version of stuff that might have got played out a little bit differently, you know, and that that's what a yeah. Evil Dead, the original film reminds me of that kind of feeling. Sure. The second one, funny enough, is more polished and still kind of a low budget schlock fest, but um, you know, they all were a little bit more experienced. I think they had a little bit more money. Um, you know, as funny and campy as the second one is, it is still a really great movie, a great horror movie, and really imaginatively made. Uh, a lot of techniques and things like that that would become, you know, influential and trademarks of Sam Raimi's style of filmmaking. Yeah, I like the second one, too. You know, I, I, they had a great poster, too. The poster for Evil Dead 2 is awesome. With the skull oh yeah, the it's like, it's iconic. Yeah, yeah. iconic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. 
But I just, for me, pers- I, I, even though I like the second one, the first one is still my favorite just because of how sure, sketchy, sure. Vi- you know, the sketchy yeah. it seems. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, what are your feelings on Army of Darkness? Um, wasn't what I wanted. You know, I, yeah. I thought with a title like Army of Darkness, like that to me was like the coolest title at that age I was at. You know, I was like, I thought, yeah. I, thought I was going to be like this super brutal, like dark film, but it, um, I, it's fun. You know, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's good. I, I do. I don't really, it's not my go-to, but I acknowledge it. Like it's cool. You know? Yeah. I like it. It's funny. It's really like Bruce Campbell really just hamming it up in that. Yeah. And I love Bruce Campbell. Like how do you not like that guy? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we mentioned, you know, you you were a little hotter on the remake than I was. And, uh, the show was, the show was fine, but maybe it was too much of a good thing. You know, Bruce Campbell's quippy Ash uh, maybe is good in smaller doses. Maybe not for like an entire like three season run of a show. It's uh, kind of how I felt about that. I really liked it, man. It was it was one of those shows that um, you know, at the time I, I never I still don't have like a actual cable TV like connection, but back then you could subscribe to um, TV shows on your iTunes account. So that was a film that, that was a thing that I used to do is, uh, well, I mean, you can still do that actually, where a current show on iTunes, you can just, you know, subscribe to it. And then the episode comes out like the day after it airs. Oh, okay. Now, I mean, now there's other ways of watching shows, but that's how I used to do it back then. And, um, that was something that I, uh, I did with, with evil dead, Ash and the Ash versus the evil dead. Yeah. Okay. So this is a series that we both like enjoy and, I like it. I keep it up on my shirt. Saw they were making a new one. Bruce Campbell and uh, Sam Raimi are involved. And uh, like I said, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'll look forward to it, but I don't expect it to be great. Saw the trailer, looked, you know, whatever. Um, decided to sit this one out and wait for streaming. And um, yeah, here we are <laughs> in 2023. A new Evil Dead movie that sort of, kind of ties into the other ones. Maybe uh, I don't know. I'm gonna run down the characters real quick. We have Lily Sullivan as Beth, and Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie and their sisters. Morgan Davies as Danny. Gabriel Gabrielle Eccles as Bridget. Neil Fisher as Cassie. Richard Crouchley as Caleb. I'm gonna just go through everybody that's in the film since I have it written. Uh, okay. Mirabai Peace as Teresa, Anna Marie Thomas as Jessica, Jaden Daniels as Gabriel, Billy Reynolds McCarthy as Jake, Ty Wayno as Scott, and Mark Matchinson as Mr. Fonda. And there's a Bruce Campbell voiceover in there. Oh, you did catch that then? Yeah, yeah. So he, it's his voice that is uh, part of, um, you know, the incantation. So yeah. Yeah. So making it a sequel, or at least in the same universe. I'm reading this as being... All right, this is how I'm reading it. I don't think that uh, Bruce Campbell is necessarily Ash. I think that this hmm. probably... I mean, how... Did Ash do the read the incantation? Or, or like in the original film, there was a tape recording, right? Right, but okay. I... I um... I read it as this when they're listening to the vinyl because uh, it's on vinyl now. Yes. Um, yeah. Not, it wasn't on vinyl yelling. in the eighties though. It was, a, it was on a cassette in the eighties. 
Yeah, a little bit, a bit of a bizarre take, but one of the few, like one of the many problems I have with the movie, I guess. But there's someone when they're listening to the vinyl, he says, "Don't read from the book. It's clearly Bruce Campbell." Right. I took that as Ash because you know time travel is a uh, thing in the Evil Dead movies. Okay. So okay. maybe Ash was going through time trying to stop the Evil Dead from being released. That's how I took. Oh, it. dude. So, okay. All right. I'm down with that. I like that. Okay. So. Yes. Okay. So I see this as like, yeah, definitely not a sequel, but connected to that universe. Then. Okay. Yeah, that's how I took it. I could be way off. So who knows? So the Deadites are like this this thing that exists, and there's not that the thing that happened in the original in the cabin. Well, it's clear that it it happened in other places because the movie opens with uh, you know, these two chicks out there in the woods, you know, and you think this movie's going to take place in the woods. And uh, yeah. it, one of them gets uh, possessed by a deadite, and you know there's a little bit of carnage there. So yeah, she scalps uh, herself, you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know I gotta say it's a pretty cool opening. I like the opening drone shot that mimics the signature Evil Dead shot of the evil kind of going through the woods, and you see it POV style uh, with the camera. Yeah, but oh, it's a trick. This is a drone, and. Um, yeah, it starts in the woods. It's probably like, you know, well, like a five, six minute cold open. Uh, and, you know, a bunch of people, a couple of people die. And then it cuts to uh, the city, Los Angeles, which is clearly not really Los Angeles, but whatever. That's yeah. fine. Uh, and then it says one day earlier. So the first 10 minutes of the movie take place after the rest of the movie, which I don't know, man. It seemed like a huge, like, kind of like waste of time. Like, um, it wasn't like the significant moment, the opening. It wasn't like the demons are out and it's the apocalypse. It was just sort of this isolated incident. I thought the opening would have been better. I thought it would have been better to like maybe give a little history of the Necronomicon, the building yeah. uh, that they're in, how like the, you know, the, uh, the Necronomicon is buried in this building. You know, that would have been like, a, I, I think, a, a better setup to the movie. You know, have it like take place in like, you know, night, what was it, the 20s? And just show like a guy hiding the nep- bearing the nep- Necronomicon, and then get into the movie. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm being nitpicky, but that, I, I just thought, well, what was the point of that? Yeah, I agree. Some uh, some exposition about the Necronomicon being in that building would have been great. You know, it like this kind of Lovecraftian element of it because it kind of has that vibe where there's some book. You know that obviously the Necronomicon is a Lovecraft, uh, you know, reference. Right. right. Yeah. 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 And. Um, you know, why it's there, like all that stuff, that none of that ever gets explained in the film. And that would have been a great intro. And and the thing with the doc and all, this whole segment of the film, like, it, I think it, that would have been like more of like an epilogue, really. You know, if you want to show that the this these events are happening in other parts of the world, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, I thought, I, I agree. It would have made a great epilogue, but it made like a confusing sort of uh, intro because it's not really significant to the story or the series or, or, or anything really. I just thought it was a very weird way to, to kick this, this thing off. But yeah, hey, whatever. Uh, this is one of the better segments of the movie, I thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It actually gave me a little bit of like, oh, this might be cool, you know, and then it just went in a different direction. And And yeah, the... The I don't know the the set or whatever it was that they've actually is that a, was that an actual location or was it some kind of set where they filmed? Uh, um, well, that's supposed to be L.A. That's definitely not uh, a building I recognize in in L.A. It didn't look like an L.A. like L.A. at all. Like 
uh, it, it felt more like a, a sect to me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so then we find the two these two um, ladies here. Uh, we have Ellie and Beth. Okay, Beth. I I thought this was actually pretty funny. Is a guitar tech. Dude, I, I had a, I had lead guitar tech question mark. Yeah, lead guitar tech. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, uh, like there's like a, uh, oh my god, yeah. It's clearly people don't know anything about music. (laughs) Who wrote this? Like, like we need to give her a badass job. What is she? She's guitar tech. No, 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 no. She's the head guitar tech. You yeah, know. you know, and and like the thing is too, it's like if you're if you're in a crew that's that big, you know, like you would yeah. be on tour with like I don't know, like some fucking huge band, you know, and you would be making a good living doing that. Like you'd be like Metallica's crew. Yeah, you wouldn't be taking a piss in what looks like the CBGB's bathroom. Exactly. You know? Yeah, if there was multiple, like I imagine James Hetfield and and uh, Kirk Hammett have their own techs, like their own individual guys they work with. So. You know, of course. And they, they, there's like a crew, a company of guys that work for for operations like that. And you, you know, you'd be you'd be only only dealing with like these major places, and you'd be making a good salary every year. So you wouldn't be this kind of like by the skin of your teeth person, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'd also like to point out, as far as I know, there is no like a hierarchy, like uh, to like the head guitar tech. You, <laughs> you, you like you tech for the person you tech for. Yeah. They're your boss, yep. you know? Yeah, and there's, like, the tour manager who runs the whole operation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I got a peek behind the curtain into uh, bigger touring when ISIS toured the Tool. And, you know, there's a stage manager. There's a lot of bigger things. But, you know, Adam's guitar tech is still Adam's guitar tech. That's his job. He didn't answer to another tech, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just obviously bizarre. And her sister is a tattoo artist. And, again, I... Uh, she doesn't look like one. No, because every tattoo artist I know is like covered with tattoos, like on her their neck and you know every hands, like everything, you know. Yeah, and she's got two teenage kids, so she's been you know she's been tattooing for a long time. So yeah, of course, like you're you know at least like a, a sleeved arms or something like that. It was a uh, again just felt like uh, like like punched up script idea. Like you know she needs to have a, a, a cool job or a tattoo artist, but they, you know, she didn't look like one at all bad casting in, in that regards. Yeah. And, uh, and again, you know, like tattoo, like uh, that's a, a great profession. And, but she's living in this like kind of fucking rundown dump of an apartment. That's true actually. Cause I mean, you know, some of the guys that I know that, you know, are there, they make, they're expensive, man. You know, to get, ta- to get tattooed is expensive. And, but, it is, yeah. But that then, then again, maybe she's not on that upper echelon of tattoo artists either, you know. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. They don't really kind of explain any of the backstories to any of this. Like, uh, what's her name? The head guitar tech, lead guitar tech, <laughs> is constantly referred to as a groupie for some reason. Like it's, um, you know, like she has to keep justifying that I'm not a groupie. I'm a guitar tech. Like, uh, oh, oh, okay, it just seemed odd to me. I was like, is that is that supposed to be funny? Yeah, because like most most ladies that I know, they're on they're part of crew. You know, the crew world. Like, you know, they are not clearly not groupies. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Like they're like these kind yeah. of you know they have like you know they have um le- like those Leatherman knives and stuff. You know what I mean? They're like you know what I'm trying to say they're like. Yeah, yeah. They're like more like down, you know, down, you know. They're like not these like kind of, 
you know, groupie-esque ladies, you know? Yeah, I've had nothing drives me crazier, too, than, like, details like that. Like, you clearly don't know about the, the whole music world. Why are you even bothering? Like, just make, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt so written and inauthentic it just it really set the tone for like right when that scene came on i was like all right i'm <laughs> i'm starting to hate this movie already and, or, or the tattoo world you know i mean they could have put a bunch exactly. of makeup on her too and they inked her up you know yeah or i mean i, I understand why she was cast in this part she obviously can pull out like uh, most of her role is spent as a uh, a deadite so right. and she she does that great she's really great but Nah, the tattoo artist thing just wasn't wasn't buying it. I I really think honestly, like a lot of that was just um, to foreshadow things that would later happen in the movie. I see. You know, like yeah. oh, we need like you know the tattoo gun for you know for what's going to happen later. You know, things like that. Like it was that's kind of odd choices. That's kind of cheap. I yeah. think. Yeah. 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 Well, like you know, one of the daughters is a DJ. You know, uh, or a wannabe DJ, and then they find the Necronomicon, and it's on vinyl, or not the Necronomicon, the, the readings, and it's on vinyl. So, you know, I guess most most people you and I know have a record player, but yeah. I would say a majority of the people don't. The uh, yeah, that uh, the book is called the uh, Naturam de Manto. That's what that thing was called. The uh, the, the recovering the Naturam. That's like the uh, the thing the that they played. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, you meet like there's basically a mom and three daughters, and they're all introduced as like, you know, like this is who they are. This is their character type. Like uh, Danny's a DJ. Um, I should have wrote though. The other girl is sort of like this, you know, guy. How would you do like a, uh, you know, typical teenager? She she's making a sign. For a protest, yeah, uh, I think she's. Were they protesting Labor Day or something? I don't know. Was, some some shit. Yeah. You know, it was like she's like this angsty like teenager who's become wants to be like an activist in some way. You know. Yeah, exactly. Which okay, that rings true. Sure. And she yeah. looks the part. Uh, and she has something about feminism on her door. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't really think it plays into anything in the movie. I I don't know. Uh, that's fine. And then you meet the little girl who cuts the head off dolls with scissors and makes them into weapons, uh, which, of course, you know, is going to come back later on in the movie. And uh, so that's basically all you really get to know about these these characters. Uh, um, you meet some of the neighbors. Uh, and I kept thinking, I was like, you know, Evil Dead in the high rise. That's kind of cool. Could be like, you know, uh, Dread or the Raid or sure. something like that. Yeah. But it's really contained to this floor, and even more so contained to the family. Yeah, you know, and there, but there's also uh, an element of the building was like, you know, everyone had to, everyone was getting evicted too. I think so. There, that's why there was like not that many people in the building. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. My, my most, yeah. yeah. It had this like empty, sort of desolate feel, rundown sort of feel to it. Um, so the sister is like back, you know, visiting from her, her tour where she's the lead guitar tech <laughs> and, uh, visiting her not tattoo artist sister and they go off for pizza and there's an earthquake and, and again, man, like they're, they're acting like the earthquake was like this really horrible apocalyptic thing that happened. And like, we can't leave the house again. Uh, mom won't let us go outside. Cause I remember the characters need to go look for something or no, no, no. They want, she wants the, uh, bury the book 
But yeah, there's an earthquake. Uh, they find a tunnel or something, and there, there they find a Necronomicon. Yeah, and that that's kind of like where things start, you know, crack a lack, and you know they find that uh, <laughs> that Natural Demonto record collection. You know, that's kind of a cool yeah. name for a band, actually. Yeah, um, I have to say one of the few positives of this movie. I liked the design of the Necronomicon yes. in, in this quite yeah. a bit. I liked that they added teeth to it. Um, I liked the illustrations a lot that were in there. It was like kind of actually creepy and uns unsettling. I can imagine sort of going to like you know, an old house or something or an abandoned house and seeing something like that and being really creeped out by it. That was cool, uh, definitely. You know, and that's when I started. My interest got perked when I saw that. And I was like, oh, they have, you know, the, the vinyl records, you know, like that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was curious what you thought of that. Like, where was this pressed? <laughs> yeah, well, who pressed <laughs> you know this? I mean? Yeah, it was like some guy with his own lathe, like, made those, or I don't know. Like, where would you press something yeah. like that? So, yeah, that, that was, was kind of weird. Choice. You know, but then again, you know, and this is the cheapness of the movie. Like, the one person was like, the kid was a DJ, so he had turntables. All right, so now yeah. he's a DJ because we have to play the records, okay? But, like, right. the simple thing in the first movie was, like, they there was, a, a like, this sketchy, like, reel-to-reel -reel down there, and that was it. You know, yeah. why, I, the, I get the idea of wanting, I don't know, like, it just didn't really work. I like it better. There's too many things that had to come together, and then you had to make too many leaps of faith for there to be, like, a three- like a box set down there of uh by natural yeah. Monto, you know maybe you know without there's no it'd be cool if there's like a poster or something like that in there too you know like this yeah like the celtic frost box set or something <laughs> yeah yeah no and I, I get what you're saying it doesn't quite work because i know it's in the 1920s where this stuff is supposed to be from and there i don't i would imagine of course there was no cassette recordings or anything like that back then or was there i i honestly don't know um Somehow they made it work, though. Somehow they made it work in the first one with just a reel-to-reel. -reel. You know, like, why not? What, why Why that? Like, I don't know. That that's that started bothering me. I was like, man, like, what the fuck? You know, like, this is just like... It's, a, it's just, yeah, it, odd choice. Odd choice. It was like, we have to fit all these things together. And I just thought it was kind of like, kind of weak storytelling, I thought. Yeah, it seemed like a brainstorming session, like after the fact, like, oh, hey, uh, like the continuity script first was like, this doesn't make sense. We need to put, put A to B to C. Yeah, something um, like that for sure. But I, I like the design of the Necronomicon. I like that uh, um, there are three ne Necronomicons, which uh, was mentioned in Army of Darkness, that there, there are three. And so that kind of makes sense you have the necronomicon from the og movies mm -hmm. you have the one from the remake and now you got this one so that's kind of a cool idea to have these things are kind of spread out they're out there um i liked that and uh there's not much more i really liked <laughs> about this yeah you know and then you know every the, all the chaos ensues you know and then you could just go and watch the movie if you want we, we don't have to go into all the beats with what happened but the my, my biggest issue is the lack of tension in the movie too yeah you know no tension yeah at all things just yeah there's not a lot of stakes in this like like i mentioned earlier okay they're acting like the earthquake is the end of the world the mom comes and hugs the kids they're so worried 
and you can't go outside the rest of the night. But then when chaos starts ensuing and people start dying, they, they don't really spend any like moment like on it at all. It's like, oh, mom's dead. <laughs> um, they don't like seem to take it as that big of a deal. Just, you know what I mean? Like uh, maybe a little bit more like character work like that, like showing like how this is like really affecting them psychologically. I know it's an Evil Dead movie. It's supposed to be fun. But it, it just seemed odd to me, like that the the, the characters had really taken a moment to, to really okay, mom is not only like oh she's dead, oh no wait she's possessed. Um, it, it just seemed uh, strange to me, is all. I agree. Yeah, and okay, you know the the violence was like, you know the, there was some scenes that were pretty cool, you know visually I guess. Um, but you know I just after a while I just kept I don't know I started checking out on this one. Yeah, I did too, and it, it, um, you know, it, it, it was a lot of nods to the original, like, it, it kept sort of going back and forth, um, you know, we want to be a homage to the original, but we want to do our own thing, we want this to be more serious, but then there's some really kind of slapsticky, funny thing, like, there, there's, like, a scene with an eyeball that, uh, you know, mirrors that from, from, uh, Evil Dead 2, and, it feels totally out of place with what I think the they were going for, or like a more serious vibe. Yeah, you know, and and uh, and then, then there was that weird creature at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's something. Okay, they uh, that's something new to the Evil Dead. All the Deadites. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't like the living possessed in the original? Yeah. And not the dead. Yep. And in this, like all the, 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 the living and the dead are uh, are possessed. Yeah, that's that's the thing, man. It's um I mean, I don't know if I necessarily have a problem. I don't think I have a problem with that, with like the dead being possessed too, because like the reality is like nah. you know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of an interesting wrinkle to it. But uh, you know, there's this kind of body horror esque thing at the end, which was like I guess it was kind of cool. I don't feel any one particular way about it or not you know i mean it added another set piece to the film which you know whatever at that that's not that's not the fatal flaw of the movie you know what i'm trying to say right yeah like it had like a final boss kind of a uh, vibe to it like so all the deadites come together well not all of them i think it was just the the, the family members right and they form one big thing which i thought was pretty cool i think it was done mostly practically yeah, it had it had a vibe of like uh, you know like like screaming mad George kind of vibe to it a little bit you know. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the, the things I liked about it. But you know, everything leading up to that was just sort of a slog. And like you said, I didn't really see like a lot of tension in the movie at all. Like it it, it should have been about them trying to figure out a way to escape because uh, you know the elevator is broken, the stairs have been. Um, destroyed and you would think oh the fire escape but then one of the neighbors mentions that the i i forget why they couldn't uh get to the fire escape but it's basically them just sort of sitting around and uh, while while uh, bad things happen and uh yeah it's just you, you know like it, it's not very not very interesting i found it boring basically i felt the same feeling no tension uh, there was a lot of things I didn't like about the writing um, and boring. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, not what you want on a Friday night, you know, when you're trying to get uh, get your kicks at a horror film, you know. 
Yeah, and I know. Okay, so maybe uh, talk about the gore, which is what Evil Dead is 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 really known for, and I think it delivers in in that sense. I mean, this is definitely uh, as gory as the remake, for sure. And it does have several nods to the original. You know, you have the the, the, the infamous tree rape scene, uh, which they kind of uh, pay homage to when the mother's in the elevator. She's being suspended by all the elevator wires. Um, so I think I guess if that's what you want, it delivers in that respect. Yeah. No. It. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. There's, there's stuff to look at in this movie, definitely. You know, it, it you know, it, it's, uh, it does that, you know, but uh, yeah, it's not a poorly made movie. Like, it does look good. I like the sort of nods, the rainy work, camera work. Um, that's the stuff in the movie I like. But the, you know, the gore is the gore. It's fine. It's never been like my go-to for any sort of horror. There's even. Um, like I said, you know, there's a chainsaw in here. There's a shotgun. It feels like there's like a checklist of Evil Dead things that they need to be in this movie. Like, okay, shotgun, chainsaw, you know, uh, so a couple quippy one-liners, uh, you know, Dead by Dawn. Um, you know, there's a wood chipper. I guess that's that's something new. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's foreshadowed earlier on in the movie. But it just feels like a missed opportunity. Like I said, Evil Dead in a high rise, or it's not even a high rise. I don't know what in an apartment. Like it, it could have been, it could have been so much more. And instead, it was just sort of this dull, lifeless bloodbath. That's a very apt way of describing it: a dull, lifeless bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think any of the characters were particularly well written and or, or fleshed out at all. You know, like, you know, they, the, the, the kids just, just sort of there. I don't know. Like this, I, I keep hearing about how fun this movie was and I just did not have any fun with it at all. I mean, maybe it's me. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't either. I, I was like, I went, I had low, I actually had pretty low expectations because the trailer for me, there's something that didn't smell right about the trailer, to be honest. And yeah, um, well, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know, man. It's like, there's like some of the dialogue was like trying too hard, you know, and, and I don't know, like it's, it's odd, Jeff, because you know how, like I love movies with dialogue, you know, how the dialogue is like, you know, I, I can watch a movie that's all just dialogue basically in descriptions. And yeah, sure. You would think like a movie that has the opportunity to deliver dialogue and also the budget to make interesting visuals would wouldn't have such poor dialogue you know what i mean yeah agreed uh, yeah no I mean, it just there's no there was no sense of dread there was no tension none of those things so it didn't it didn't ring with me this movie you know yeah i mean there is a great line where the possessed mother refers to her children as titty sucking parasites i, I yeah. don't know if that was meant to be funny but it certainly made me laugh yeah you know but uh I never felt really threatened by anything in that movie, you know? No. Um, I'll say this, though. It did go places that surprised me. Um, when, as soon as they introduced the neighbors, I thought, well, they're strictly in this movie for a body count. Yeah. And they are. But, I mean, this movie does kill children, which you, you well, that, don't really see a lot. That's coming, that, That's becoming a thing, man. You know, there's like... Is uh, it? 
oh, you know, Joe Bigos killed killed some kids in his movie. That's true, but that's Joe Bigos. He right. makes, you know, like a, you know, modestly budget movies. I, I think because you know? uh, now, in, just in our culture, we're seeing kids getting shot up in schools all the time. Now it's like we got to kill kids in, in movies now too. Yeah, I guess so. It's a, people are desensitized to it or not yeah. as upset. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the cooler set pieces in the movie, like where the whole shot is through a uh, a peephole in a door. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and the mom's outside, and you just see this fucking little kid's lifeless body go flying by. Uh, by. Uh, I thought that was one of the cooler set pieces in the movie and i thought well they just killed everyone so now what's going to happen in the rest of the movie but uh you know like some of the children died too which was surprising and again they don't take a moment to like you just killed your sister like you think this would affect you a little bit more but you're make, making like quippy jokes afterwards it was very odd odd choice well i have to say i just take this opportunity to say that the, the murdered kids are in my thoughts and prayers in this movie <laughs> <laughs> thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers uh, you know, yeah from thoughts and prayers murdered, murdered kids <laughs> yeah for the, the fictional murdered kids and uh and the way they tied it into the first 10 minutes was bizarre because the girl <laughs> apparently also lives in the building yeah. and she just didn't notice any of this complete fucking chaos happening all around like all night did i did i miss something there i think like it would have been cool if just that just independently happened somewhere else, maybe with another book or something like that. Like that, that's what I, I hear what you're saying. Like there's like all this chaos going on the night before, like when the elevator and all this stuff, and she didn't even know anything was going on in the, in the building. So connect, yeah, exactly. connecting those two, t like maybe it would have been better if she was coming home from being out or something and ran into this thing and got infected. Like, I kind of like that idea of it being like, you have to actually get infected by this thing or something or have physical contact with it, you know? Yeah. But another thing is the movie kind of sets up that once you possess it, it doesn't take long to fully take over. Yeah. So this girl gets possessed and then she drives That's to right. a lake. Yep. <laughs> that, that, um, I don't know about that one. No, I agree with you. That. Know? I'm with you. For sure. uh, odd choice. That's why I just thought, you know, like get rid of that intro altogether and make like, you know, a 10 minute exposition of the guy in the bank. He's hiding the the book and the recordings before, you know, something like that. Uh, I thought, I mean, it, it would have made more sense. I don't know if it would have made for a better movie because I mean, most people seem to think the first 10 minutes of this are the best part of the movie yeah. and they probably are, but I don't think it made a whole lot of sense. It's like being the, uh, you know, the prettiest waitress at Denny's, I guess, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or Shoney's or something. Even yeah. worse. Um, but yeah, this just didn't. This just didn't do it for me at all. And I'm not really sure where they're going with all this because, like I said, this is a success. So I'm assuming we're going to get another one of these. But this didn't really advance the plot or the lore or the mythology at at all. It didn't. It it just. To me, it just felt almost like I know, I know Raimi was involved in this thing and, you know, whatever, but it seems to seem like an exploitation of like the IP, you know, without actually adding anything to it. Right. Yes, exactly. This was just a name uh, brand recognition sort of caching. That's what it felt like to me. It is slick and technically well made and 
but it's it, it's just sort of there for me. It's not unlike the Hellraiser yes. remake in a way where I'm like, God, then there's so much you could have done. And you sort of bring this vanilla safe horror movie with unlikable or unrelatable characters or because, you know, we talked when we talked about the Hellraiser uh, remake, it's just like, oh, the character's a drug addict. And you think there's a lot you can do with that. The movie doesn't really do anything with that. Uh, and, you know, you have these kids. One's a DJ and, you know, <laughs> we need her to play the record. And one kid cuts the head off dolls and makes these sort of weapons, which show up later in the movie. So I guess it covers its bases, but like these aren't actual characters with anything really interesting going on at all i agree on 100 with that and um so what, what would you give it as a grade jeff well uh, i've been thinking about this i gave the hellraiser movie a one the remake so i'll give this a one and a half because it is better than that uh, <laughs> uh but not by much uh, i was very disappointed my girlfriend had fun watching it i i was annoyed bored and uh just not into this at all one and a half i would give it a two you know i um, okay yeah you know it's still not not my cup of tea um you know i i also don't i i'm not gonna think of other people anymore when i give grades you know what i mean um because yeah, you know he... part i got into this trend where i'm like well for me i didn't really i think it started with skin rink you know because okay but that's gonna be its own case because that is a very unique situation with that film you know absolutely like there's no disclaimers anymore it's like if you like it cool but for my opinion i give it a two um it was you know it, it was a night out you know i better than sitting home by myself you know i went out to the theater and watched it alone and uh and that's um that's fine but will i revisit this at some point no did i have like a great time watching it not really you know i thought it was boring yeah the most exciting thing that happened was trying to figure out if that was Bruce Campbell's voice on, on, on the vinyl. <laughs> yeah. To me, that was like, hey, you know, I was like, well, it's cool they got him in there somehow. Yeah, and, you know, yeah sure. I, you know, I, I didn't expect him to show up at the end or anything like that. I knew going into it that this was going to be something different. And, you know, Bruce Campbell's getting up there in age and maybe be getting <laughs> too old to fight deadites, but... If they keep making more of these, he's going to have to show up eventually, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe they can address that. Maybe maybe the, you know, the timeline is that the original one happened, like, way back in the 80s, you know? And he's like, I don't know. I, I don't Now we're, like, assuming they're going to do do a good job writing the script. But, right. you know, it would right. be cool oh, and, if, like, they yeah. did something like that, though, you know? Yeah, and Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, he went back in time in the second one. Yeah. And uh, depending on which version of the third one you saw, he either went too far into the future or went back to present time. Uh, yeah, there's a lot you can do with this. And it just feels like a, a real missed opportunity. So you just sort of made this contained, dull story. And it just, just didn't work at, at all. Um but you, you know what? Didn't you say you saw the Meg Two trailer attached to this? So that's something. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, Michael Smiley and uh, and oh, it's Paul. Um, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck's that dude's name? The guy, the other guy. Uh, I don't know. Fuck. All right, hold on a second. Here. I'm gonna. I gotta find this. This is another another edit here. All right. 
Yeah, I saw the trailer for um, the Meg Two in the theater, and uh, you know, I, I the only reason why I want to see it is my hope that Neil Maskell and Michael Smiley ha- might have a bit part in it since um, since Ben Wheatley directed it. You know. Yeah, I, I also saw the trailer. Um, since I saw this at home, I didn't see the trailer before this, but I, I did see it. Uh, and, and I was looking for any sort of sign that this is a Ben Wheatley film and couldn't really find one. <laughs> it would be awesome, though, if those two guys just showed up in the movie, like on a boat or something. They had like a small bit part, you know, <laughs> they got eaten by a shark. Yeah, like, you know, like it's somehow in the same universe as Kill List. <laughs> like, <laughs> you open with the end of that. I would fucking love that. But, um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, didn't do it for me. These 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 movies, these classic franchises from you know the seventies and eighties, and that, that are getting rebooted and remade. Um, I'm not against it, but just you know, make it good and make it exciting. And so far, I don't think I don't think we've seen that. Other than Halloween 2018, I, I just think it's it's it, it's mostly been kind of junk. Yeah, and so. this is handsome-looking junk. It's a well-made movie. It just did nothing for me. Ditto. <laughs> All right. Well, that covers that. And then, you know, hey, I know this movie has a lot of fans. Uh, a lot of people seem to really like this. We have a phone number. You can call in and tell us if you agree or disagree. Once again, it is Mike's personal phone number, so call anytime, <laughs> two, three, four in the morning. Yeah. He'll be up. I'll be I'll, I'll be up, you know, <laughs> staring yeah. into the darkness of my room, you know. Yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> so you'd be helping him out, too. Come on, guys. It'll give me something Stay to do it. at night, you know, to field some of these calls in the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> All right, well, that covers it, man. All right, guys. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. All right, later.